Listen to the Tommy Schnurmacher Show live weekdays 9 to noon on CJAD 800 and CJAD.com. CJAD legal expert Chris Demakos in the studio. Uh, what's the difference, Chris, between being dismissed or permanently laid off? Is there a real difference? There's absolutely a real difference, and in fact, it's probably the most uh, fundamental difference when, when it comes to understanding what your rights are as an employee. And I, I've seen people come to my office and say, I was fired. I was let go by my company. And I ask them the question, were you, were you laid off or were you, were, you, you know, were you dismissed? What's the difference? And it's, it's, a, it's a major difference. And the, all of the laws that deal with those differences have an impact on whether or not you'll be successful in your claim. So here's a, a, a brief rundown. When you are dismissed... Um, and you're terminated, it, it, it means that you're being let go for reasons that pertain to you, subjective reasons, your performance, your conduct, something that has to do with the way you conduct and execute your employment contract. Being permanently laid off is the same effect. You're out of a job. But the reasons that they're citing to justify why they're letting you go is based on their consequences, the economy, restructuring, business strategy. So it has nothing to do with you personally as an employee. And the reason why that's important is because if you're going to contest this, and there are many times where companies try to mask what they're doing by using one or the other, uh, when it's in fact it's, it's, it's neither, when you're going to attack that, you have to understand what the game plan is and, and, and what the criteria is because you might be trying to prove a dismissal when the company is saying, well, we didn't dismiss them, it was a permanent layoff, and then you would lose your claim altogether. So it's very important. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen files come from other, other law firms where they haven't made that distinction yet, and they already have a trial date set. So it's important to understand what the grounds are for being let go. And, and one last point on that, Tommy, is that often you'll see companies that don't even give you a reason because they, they're not prepared to do that yet. So right. they'll let you go. They'll saying the company decided to go in a different direction, and here's what we're offering you without giving you a reason as right. to why they're letting you go because they're not ready to do so and they haven't taken a concrete decision as to how they're going to proceed. So that's an indicator for you. If you ever get a letter that says you're no longer employed with your company and they haven't let you go, why? Whether it's restructuring, whether it's the economy, whether it's a downturn in sales, or whether it's your conduct or performance. For me, that's a flag that says the company's letting you go and they're very uneasy about giving you a reason as to why they're letting you go. And why would they be uneasy about it? Well, because of the cost that would come if they do so without legal justification. In, in Quebec, um, and we have the same policy in Canada, but in Quebec particularly, once you've acquired two years of service, and it's very similar for the rest of Canada, once you've acquired two years of service, there's a huge, huge consequence that takes place for the employer. And that is, up until two years, they can let you go just because they don't like your face. And they can say, I don't like you, right. leave. And as long as it's not a human rights violation, they have no obligation right. to tell you why they let you go. Once you get that that two-year threshold under your belt, now there's a shift in power. Now the employer, if they want to let you go and, and sever that employment contract, has to give you grounds and a reason why they're letting you go. And if the company doesn't want to give you that, then they have to pay in a way that suggests that they don't they don't have legal grounds to let you go. So a lot of times companies... So what are some of the legal grounds that a company would have? So let's take a dismissal, right? They're, they're alleging that your performance is not up to par uh, and you have more than two years of experience. So if a company wants to argue performance and saying, you know, your numbers are not good, uh, you, you're not a team player, uh, you know, you, you're not uh, proactive, and all these different, you know, catchphrases they use to, to suggest that you're not a good employee anymore, but you've been there for 20 years. Um, what, what they usually do is to try to say, because of that performance, the company has no choice but to let you go. And what the law says is, if you're going to use performance as a reason, you have to 
demonstrate very thoroughly that you gave that employee every opportunity to correct the wrong. You have to let them know, hey, your performance is sliding. Warning, I'll talk to you again in three months. Hey, your conduct, I'm gonna give you another written warning now. Uh -huh. So Suspension. a lot of they have to be quite the paper trail. Paper trail, progressive as well, has to increase in severity to the uh -huh. point where- well, the, the warnings about the, the employee warnings, not living. Performance improvement plans, and ultimately, they have to let you know that you're on track to being fired. They actually, you'll see that in your performance improvement plan or in your letter. This is a final warning. The next oh, time may uh, be termination. And if all of this is absent? They have to give you a substantial amount of notice because it's an illegal firing and they have to give you and pay for you to stay home and look for a job. And depending on how old you are and how likely it is you're going to find a similar job with similar responsibilities, that will determine how long. So in some cases, you can exceed two years. My guest is uh, CJD legal expert Chris Demacos. How do courts look at uh, companies that uh, are not telling the, the truth to the employee when they're being dismissed or, or laid off? Right. So what happens is the first thing that the, the court does when you, when you get to a hearing is they take a look at uh, exactly what the grounds are for termination. Is this a dismissal? Is this a permanent layoff? Like, for, let, let's use layoffs, for example. Companies often say, um, you know, there's not enough work. We don't want to fire you. So we're going to lay you off for six months, up until six months. And then we'll see where we're at uh, at that point over there. And then six months comes, they don't bring you back, and it's considered a permanent layoff where they have to give you your notice. And a lot of times they do that just to kind of paint a picture that things are not going well at the company. You know, we didn't want to let you go right away. We, we put you on a, on a temporary layoff for a couple of months just to see See, hopefully we're praying that you can come back. But if you don't, well, you know, the writing was on the wall. We had temporarily laid you off, and now it's going to be a permanent layoff. And so what courts look at is say, hey, um, when that person left that company hierarchy, and depending where you were in that hierarchy, they take a look at, is, did somebody replace that person? Did they hire someone else to do your work? Who's doing your work right now? And did the company, in fact, let go of a lot of employees, or did they let go of 10 but hire six? at a lesser salary. So they start looking at all decision-making of that company during that process. Uh, the courts would... Absolutely. Well, yeah, and hopefully the, your lawyer would, would also point that those things out. But we take a look at all the decisions um, that the company has made at the time when you were let go, prior to and after, to determine whether or not it was, it was a good decision. In many cases, the company is also relying on the fact that the employee will be afraid and won't hire a lawyer or won't be able to afford a lawyer. Right, and, and they do. And there, there is a probability that if, if they lay off or terminate unjustly 10 employees, there's a large percentage of those employees that won't follow through and just say, forget it. You know, I'm too tired. I'm too demoralized. I'm just going to look for another job and that's it. But one of the reasons why employees feel that way is because they're misinformed and they're lacking the knowledge. If they sit down with someone and explain to them, hey, here's what you're entitled to. When you work for 20 years, you built up a certain amount of equity that, that you're entitled to uh, if, the, if the employer doesn't respect you know, their obligations. Usually, the, the, the employee starts to see the benefit of, of challenging that decision and going after the company to, to secure what they're entitled to. And do they have to hire a lawyer, or, or Not, can they do it on their, they their can, own? They can do it on their own. In fact, here they'd in Quebec, they go to where they go to Norm de Travail. That's right. We have an institution here that oversees the, the, uh, these types of issues, and they provide you with a lawyer. So it is favorable for an employee to go that route. There are also private attorneys that you can consult with. But absolutely, and, and one thing that's that, that's very valuable for an employee when you sit in that in that office or, or in that warehouse or wherever you're working, your gut instincts are very valuable because you un, you have a feeling for what's going on with the company. It's hard for outsiders to know right. uh, exactly what the feel is and the current is inside the company. So if you're going to meet with a lawyer, make sure that they rely a lot on your instincts because they usually are bang on in terms of what the company is going through and what the company is trying to do. My guest in studio now, CJD legal expert, Chris Demacos. If uh, somebody working for a large company gets that call and they're hauled into HR, uh, what are some of the issues to be thinking about? 
Well, that's that's a very important uh, topic, Tommy, because a lot of times when in, the employer decides they're going to let you go, they've had multiple discussions with their legal counsel. They've planned out exactly how it's going to un- unravel. They've talked about what you can and cannot say. They've even talked about what your reaction is likely to be and how to deal with your reaction. So all of this planning and strategy takes place before you get called into a room where there's HR and maybe a lawyer and your manager, and they just put some papers in front of you and tell you what's going on here. So what's important for you to know is that you've walked now into a situation where there is a tremendous imbalance of preparation and strategy and knowledge where they are going to decide how this conversation is going to go, and they've already planned for this. So what you want to do as an employee in those situations is not make concessions, not speak sporadically, and, and not come up with statements that can be used against you. I, I know it sounds a lot like it's a criminal investigation, but in some sense, whatever happens in that room uh, will be used later on. So what you do want to do is, is, is diffuse that situation and say, hey, fine, your decision is your decision. I'm not signing anything. It's a major mistake that a lot of employees make. I'm not signing anything. I, I by law, I have the right to review whatever you, it is you gave me, and you get out of that situation. Because if you start a dialogue, and, and it's your decision to do so, but if you do start a dialogue with, with your employer about why you're getting fired, the chances of them changing their mind at that point and saying, you're right, we're wrong, you come back on board, we're happy to have you, is slim to none. So when you're talking to your employer and you're making these statements, the benefit from that mm-hmm. is... is, is there is none, you know. So I would tell you that you want to get out of that room as you quickly want to, as possible. Well, you say, I'll think about it, and, right? And, and then you come back with a plan, strategy, and an attack, right. just like they had that opportunity to do so. And you level the playing field, and that's why it's that's so right, important. You're you're right because they planned it all, and you're the one surprised, right? And so in, you have to level that out. And in most cases, these firings don't take place. The deci- the discussions and decisions don't take place a day before. They take place months before. There's months in discussions and planning and prepping the file and discussions with the lawyer. So when you're sitting in that desk across from your employer and the HR manager, you're sitting across from people who have planned this out for probably several months. So that's not a conversation or debate that I, I recommend you get into. There's no question you're going to have a response for them, but it's going to be a well thought out, a planned response that's measured and in consideration of all the circumstances that have transpired. So it's very, very important to diffuse that, leave there without signing anything, without saying anything, and you'll come back stronger than ever. This uh, this uh, listener says, I know someone who was uh, working as a live-in in a person's home. The live-in wasn't happy the way she was treated by the employer, so she quit. The employer is suing her live-in for $25,000 for not giving notice. Does she have a case? Okay, so, I mean, I, I, again, it doesn't seem like they have a case, but at the same, whenever, the, whenever a party breaches their contract, and that might be a breach by the owner with the live-in, you're, you're entitled to leave. So uh, no, no one forced you to stay with an employer who has breached their contract. And it could be a number of reasons, respect and, and, uh, and not intimidating an employer, whatever the case may be. But that being said, they, that texture does bring up a good point. Notice goes both ways. That means that an employer has the obligation to give you notice, reasonable notice, if they want to let you go, depending on how long you've been there, depending on what your age is and all these different factors. But the same goes for the employee. If you are an employee and you would like to quit your job, you have to provide the employer with notice. Is that a legal obligation? It's a legal obligation. And that notice has to be reasonable. There are several employers who will say, we don't want you to stay, just leave right away. Mm -hmm. But if you give an employer two weeks of notice and the employer says, leave, right away I don't want you here anymore they still have to pay you those two weeks because that's the notice that you gave them 
So if they're going to sh- cut that short, right. then you know th- th- that's on them. That's not on you. But you absolutely have to provide them with reasonable notice. It varies depending on what your job is and what your responsibility is. And what's the is. sanction? What's the punishment if you don't? Damages. So let, let, let's, let's take, for example, a, a, someone who is a director of sales, and they don't give any notice, and they quit. And the right. company can say, because of this person quitting- We lost so much money. We lost this many wow. sales. So you would expose yourself to damages. So absolutely, you have to give sufficient notice. And what I recommend to you is before you decide what that notice is, before you commit yourself to a, a number, which may very well be adequate, but because the employer is mad, they'll just say, no, it's not adequate. What you do is you have that conversation and say, I'm not happy here. I found something else. I want to leave. What do you think? How much time do you need with me? And then you have that conversation with your employer so you can see what the, what they need from you. Well, well this, this relates to this other question from this listener who says, my boss says I need to give one year notice to leave my job. Is that normal? Well, it, it, it's, that it's, can't it's, be. it's abnormal, uh, absolutely, because it would be, uh, for me, unreasonable to think that somebody has to give a boss a one-year notice. There's no law that says this many weeks for this many years. There is a law that says it has to be reasonable. When the boss says you have to give me one year's notice, that might be maybe one of the first times that I've ever seen a notice that long. So it's unreasonable to say the least, but if that's the case, you can ask your boss, why do you need so much time? What is it about my job that you need a year with? I think that guy should ask for a raise. Right, it exactly. Well, absolutely. A year to replace him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this uh, listener wants to know, is an employer allowed to monitor your web and workstation usage discreetly, then use this as grounds for dismissal without any verbal or written warning? Great point. More than ever, we're starting to see, and we see this in City Hall, by the way, more than ever, we're starting to see employers starting to monitor what the employees do. In order for them not to be violating any privacy rights, they should inform the employees that, hey, we the computers are for work purposes only. Don't go on your personal Facebook. Don't go use personal emails from your computer um, for two reasons. One, because they're company property. And two, we don't want to have any time theft at work. So what this this um, texter might be referring to is, hey, my, my employer is monitoring who I'm calling and, and, and how, how much time I'm, I'm spending on my Facebook. It's not just a question of violating company policy. It's also a question of time theft. They can say, hey, between you know uh, two or three hours a week, this person was not doing their job and surfing the web and shopping on Amazon. So you know, w- w- time theft can constitute a disciplinary measure, even firing. This uh, texture wants to know, Susanna wants to know, how far you can go back to file a complaint in terms of months or years. Okay, so depending on what your complaint is, if your complaint is for a wrongful dismissal, you have 45 days to file a complaint from the time of dismissal. Um, But again, it could be a contractual breach. A contractual breach on your employment contract can go back three years. So if there's a a breach in your contract that will be dealt with in the civil courts, you can go back three years with that. So it all depends on what the breach is and what the, uh, the circumstances are of the termination. In most cases, uh, are these things settled out of court or uh, will the company rather go to court because they can afford it and the individual might not be able to? Uh, it, I, I could speak with my experience and, th- and that of all the uh, the mediators, the conciliators at, at the labor institutions. We're talking about um, settlement rates of, of around 80% or higher settlement rates. So uh, less than 20% actually hit the, 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 the actual trial stages. So... What I would tell you is, in most cases, employers don't want to go to court. The reason why they don't want to go to court is because, A, it costs them money, um, and, B, once a judgment is rendered, every other employee at that company knows exactly what took place there. And that's some there's some information that's sensitive that m- they may not want to divulge to the rest of the uh, workforce. So, in my experience, absolutely, settlements are very, very likely. 
One last quick question. What options does a unionized employee have who's been recently dismissed? A unionized employee, there's some good and bad with the union. The good is that the union represents all the employees in your collective bargaining agreement. The bad is that you can't branch out and take your own personal lawsuit against the employer. So any claim you are going to make has to go through your union. And often, sometimes employees say, you know, my union is not doing a good job representing me. They're not, they're not taking my case to heart. So uh, there, there, there's some pros and cons with unions. But it's, to answer that question, they have to go through their union to file a grievance. Coming up, everything you need to know about how to be mindful in your daily life. We'll get to that in a moment. You're listening to the Tommy Schnurmacher Show on CJD. Thank you very much, Chris Demakos. Stay with us. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800, CJAD.com.